Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Wrist Cheese Radio podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Brodinky, and with me is my co-host, Schmidt. In your home for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions, Schmitty, what is going on, bro? What's good, my friend? Everything's going well. How are you doing? Oh, I am exhausted. It's the end of my year. Everything's kind of getting crammed in the last minute like it is for most people. I feel like we're in the Q4 mindset type deal. A little yep. different for me, but same idea. Everybody's Yo, exhausted. Yeah. Oh, Holidays yeah. are coming up. Trying to finish the shopping. Trying to set you know the menus for the holidays. Uh, it It's a big cluster, but I'm managing. You know, I, I've been... A little bit exhausted. The kids have been on and off sick back at each one. I feel like they alternate. They just get sick every other week. And so one of them sleeping, one of them's not. And like, it's just been <laughs> like a, a super drain on me. You know, I, I haven't oh, felt yeah. very, oh, yeah. uh, very like present of mind. I haven't felt like I haven't had a lot of uh, inspiration lately. I, I know you, you probably have seen, I haven't really posted too much lately. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just not there at the moment. I'm just, I feel like my mind's just in a lot of places, and and I, I don't like to put out subpar content. Like I don't like to put up things for the sake of putting them up. So no, man, you can't, you can't, you can't. Every once in a while, baked. Take a little mental break, recharge the battery, come back, you know, swing it again. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, how are things over by you? Oh, you know, similar thing. You know, uh, both my kids are, are eagerly awaiting Santa's visit on the. Uh, night of the 24th going into the 25th um everything's full go over here full send so uh we're excited but uh you know a lot of stuff going on a lot of things with the with the holidays parties trying to figure things out and and uh you know some travel is coming up soon for me as well but you know all good things nothing uh nothing too bad nothing too bad very good. This is a rare occasion where I don't really have any housekeeping for an episode, which is kind of strange. I usually have some little fun tidbit or something going on, but uh, not too much. End of the year, I think everybody's kind of wrapped up in their own stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to jump right into new releases. Uh, we'll go first with the Zodiac and Hodinky collab featuring the Pan Am branding. I'm astonished this one is still available. A because it's only 182 pieces, and B because I feel like I thought the the Pan Am branding was kind of like a darling thing in the watch world. So I thought this would have sold out. It's pretty reasonably priced. It's only, I think it's like 1,800 bucks around. Yeah, it looks as like far, 1,795. As I think. far as Hodinky collabs go, that is cheap from where very, I am. Very. Reasonable. I mean, unless it's a Timex or something, that's a pretty cheap collab. Yeah, so I'm surprised this one's still here, especially because it's a pretty decent looking watch. I really dig the shade of blue. I like the layout. I like the all the other sort of Zodiac World Timer looking watches that they've put out, and they're in a good size at 40 millimeters. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, aversion is because you can still add it to the bag. You know, I checked before the show just to make sure it wasn't a glitch, but yeah. they're still up there. I mean, if I was in the market for something like this, I would stay one of these in a minute. I think I, I you know, I. I had my uh, I have my Zodiac experience from earlier in the year that I I really enjoyed and I think this one kind of fits the same mold. I, I really don't find anything egregious about the watch. I I like it. I like the Pan Am branding. You get a cool little package. Um, I don't know if you saw. So you get a box. You get a a cool black NATO with a like a Pan Am patch on it. Okay. And then a little uh you know wiping cloth and uh, a little neat little Zodiac Pan Am 
double branded map, like world traveling map. Because obviously, oh, for, that's cool. For those who don't know, Pan Am was once like the name in international travel. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. this was this was a very big deal at one point. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they're they're long gone. But I, I think you know the the interesting aspect of this watch. I like it. And and like you said, I love the shade of blue. It's a very vibrant blue. Um, it certainly is like one of the the very cool colors in the watch industry. And, you know, as everybody knows, this is kind of the the company that originally inspired the development of the Pepsi GMT Master uh, from Rolex. So um, Pan Am's the 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 company that did that. So it's kind of cool to see Zodiac take a, a take a swing at the GMT, especially from Pan Am. Uh, you get the like you said, you get the patch, you get the NATO, you get the uh, the wiping cloth with the with the GMT map. I think it's very cool. I like this watch a lot. My only criticism, and what kind of I told talked to you about off air, is my only criticism of this watch is the fact that for me, I find it somewhat odd that the dial has a double Pan Am branding on the logo. So you kind of have this ghosted motif of the Pan Am logo. There's no wording on it. That's kind of surrounds the internal portion of the dial. And then, of course, at the bottom at 6 o'clock, you have the smaller blue corporate Pan Am logo that everyone uh, really, really knows. Right. For me, that's the only thing that's kind of odd just because I see both of them together and it's, it's a little visually distracting. But I think the motif internally is light enough that it could disappear in certain lighting conditions. Um, Cause even like in some of the stock photos on the Houdinki sh- like website, I don't see it, but on the actual photo of the watch, you know, the kind of enhanced digital rendering of it, I do see it. Obviously they want you to see it. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think that's the only thing that I don't like about it, but everything else to me looks very cool. It's a classic, you know, Zodiac GMT. They sell a lot of these. I know you have one. Um, it's a very, very nice watch. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really too much to knock about it. I again, I'm a little puzzled. I don't really know why they're they haven't sold out, but they haven't. So, if this is your bag, get on that. I mean, the only th- the only other thing that I could think is maybe it was overshadowed by the next drop that we're going to talk about. It could be. It could be. I've got three more in the till here. So we'll roll on to my next one I have here is Oris and Fratello dropped a Diver 65 mm-hmm. limited, 300 pieces. Kind of your usual dimensions, 40 millimeter. It's got the Cal 733 in it, which is, a, I believe, an enhanced Salita SW200. Yeah. 100 meter resistance. Comes in around 1,900 euro, so not horribly priced. You get some creamy loom. You get the Diver 65 aesthetic, which I'm a big fan of. It looks like you get two straps with it, which I'm also a big fan of. Right? Yeah. I know I know we both love a good Tropic. So that's a plus. I, I don't really know what else there is to say about it. I mean, I'm a big Diver 65 fan. I think for me, that's that and the pointer date are probably my two favorite Oris models. And I, I don't think I've choos- chosen a favorite yet, but it's hard for me not to like this watch. No, it's a good it's a good one. I think this one was done really right. Um, I love the fact that it says, you know, uh, or star. Yes, because it's actually how the originals were, were were shipped in some of the variations. And according to my research, basically what that indicates 
was that this movement uh, was basically fine-tuned for higher accuracy or performance from Aorus back in the day. So it was a, it was a signifier on their timepieces that said, hey, this is using a different type of technology than everything else that we're using in our other timepieces. Um, we're going to give it these, these star branding because it's basically the, the pinnacle of what we're doing at that time. Which I think is kind of cool to carry that motif forward. Um, I like the way that it looks. You know, to me, this is the most vintage feeling Diver 65 other than the version that I personally own, which is the the funky numerals, the kind of the OG Gen 1 Diver 65. Right. But I like this one a lot. Um, it's got a little bit different styling, a little bit different motif than what you see. I love the fact that it comes with Tropic. I think RJ and the team at Fratello did a really, really solid job with this offering. And I'm curious to see if they're still available. I doubt that they are because... It seemed like everyone universally loved this one when it dropped. Yeah, I agree. And I really like the case back. I don't know if you saw the case back. It's With got big Fratello. F, right? Yes, the big F for Fratello. It's kind of in a, almost like a negative space look, and it's got the number out of 300 written right below it. So, yeah, it's nice. It's very really, cool really, really stylistically, nice. you know, kind of nice, nuanced choices all around. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. I think if it's not gone, I think this one's probably going very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up is uh, a brand that is right now the village bicycle of the watch world because they're getting uh, around. <laughs> Everyone's getting a ride. <laughs> uh, Nevada has teamed up with this time with Worn and Wound. They had three. We had three Nevada collabs last show. Yeah. This this time we've got multiple, but they're all under Worn and Wound. So they did a Value seventy two. Uh, Chronomaster, and this is uh, a, I believe it's a remake. Yep, and it's a really nice size, thirty-eight by fourteen. Uh, it's I think it's only twenty pieces, so it's it's a bit pricey. It's it's almost seven grand. Well, I mean, this, it's a it's a it's a value, so right? It is powered by a movement that once powered the Paul Newman Daytona. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a big deal movement. It, yeah, you know? it's it's if you know what you're getting. It's one of those. It's a if you know what you're getting type of thing. It's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's like uh, I'll give you an example, like the the Buick Grand National. Right. Um, from the outside, kind of looks like uh, eh, it's a Buick. It's it's a little sporty, but under the hood, that thing is a beat. Like everybody who's a car person knows the Grand National is a monster. Yeah. Like they had it in Training Day. Cool, cool car. Like similar idea. This is a cool watch, but until you know what you're getting under the hood, it's it makes it that much cooler. Uh, oh, the, for sure. The oh, color sure. scheme is very funky. I really like they described the bezel as cherry coke. I think that's the completely appropriate name for this color. <laughs> Did they really? I must yeah, have missed yeah. that. That was a that was a cool. <laughs> it's it's exactly what it looks like a cherry, cherry coke, coke. I love it. There's I love a lot it. of uh, maroon and kind of electric blue with some navy and yellow. It, it's a lot of funky colors, but they all work pretty well. It's got a really cool uh, chapter ring. The markers are really nice. They they're kind of split between maroon and white. A lot to like about this watch. Again, twenty pieces. It comes yeah. on a, a you know, the neat little beads of rice. Very, very neat for seven grand. I'm probably not buying one, but very neat. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is a timepiece that is obviously well thought out. It's it's inspired, but not derivative, but not you know overly copied it. It has its own essence, its own DNA. 
you obviously know what it is, but it's it's just very cool. And one thing that I can say safely about all of the one and wound collabs that I've seen is they're not afraid to really play with color and do odd designs. You know, arguably these watches are odd designs. A little, yeah. But that's kind of why I like them. It was like when they did the uh the Trapper Keeper Zodiac. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And for me, it was like, ah oh, man, this was so much reminiscent of the late 80s going into the 90s, where all these bright, vibrant, you know, highlighter and pastel colors were coming into fashion, into you know, design and decor. I mean, I remember you know, laser quest and different types of like movie theaters with this crazy psychedelic carpet and these weird patterns. And that's kind of what they were able to harness in these types of designs. So even though the data master and, uh, and the one with the, uh, the, the value 72, even though these are kind of reissue pieces, the way that they incorporate, you know, different types of color tones makes them really cool. I really did appreciate that. Yeah, I think you're definitely on to something there. And it's funny when you mentioned kind of that era, it for some reason brought me back to a, a funny memory I had where that was during a time where like the nylon jumpsuit was cool. I mean, granted, oh, I was like yes. five years old. I was like four yes. or five years old. I remember my mother got me at, it was mostly black, but it had some neon on it. Yeah. So it was pink. And I remember I gave her a ton of shit and I would refuse to wear it because I'm like, I'm a boy. I wore pink what the hell like and yeah. now like reflecting after the past year like how ironic <laughs> yes it's kind of hilarious actually it is but I, I don't know why i remembered it or even how i remembered it but i have a, i have a strangely accurate i mean we we are definitely memory. we are definitely the windbreaker starter jacket generation you know what i mean like i mean who didn't have a charlotte hornet starter jacket oh my god that was the starter and then <laughs> I the mean, best part was i don't know if you saw it there was an episode of always sunny in philadelphia where they flashed back to that time period and mac is wearing a charlotte hornet's starter jacket and i almost died cuz it was like everybody had the charlotte hornet's yeah. starter jacket cuz it was kind of that fun color blue with the purple yeah. accents, the cool B, you know, Hornet character on it. It was, it was just the coolest it was, thing. It at was that a time. pop culture icon. I that mean, that the, design, the Miami Dolphins sure. were like the, the two cool colored teams to wear. Well, see everyone down here had a Cowboys one. Like everyone is like the big star, white Navy, silver giant, you know, that's when they used to do the font. Like the, well, they were great then too. Oh man! Well, they, yeah, for sure. Aikman, Evan Smith, team. Michael Irvin, you know. But I mean, like they had the they had the oversized font where Cowboys really spelled out like half of your chest. Yeah, I mean, it was just like th those whole starter jackets, and they're it's funny enough they're making a comeback now. People are starting to to collect them again and and, and buy new versions of them. But those old jackets, man, there was something at, uh, uh, essence about them. And you're right, the Charlotte Hornets with the like. One of the coolest color schemes of any professional sporting team in the history of ever. I've always loved those colors together. Maybe that's why there's a little bit of that color in our logo. Could be. You know? Yeah. Them and the, the Dolphins. And at that time, if you remember, Ace Ventura came out around that time, too. So the Dolphins were extra cool. Because Dan oh, Marino yeah, was yeah. in the Dan movie, Marino. right? The Dolphin Snowflake was the... Uh... Lace is out, Dan. Lace is out. <laughs> That movie has, uh, that has, it'll never get old. That's I just love that the movie. best. I it's love that movie. The best. Uh, that, now, uh, <laughs> sticking with this, there is also 
a another offering here. And this was kind of strange to me because I, I was looking for the availability and it was basically per order. Like if you ordered one, you got one. And it was only in the window of December 7th through 10th. So it's long gone by now. <laughs> so the second offering is a 36 millimeter by tw- uh, 12 millimeter thick. It's a it's the Datomaster VK64. If anybody knows VK64, it's a mega quartz movement. So these are nice and slim. They're kind of in the a similar motif, but not exactly to the the Valju. You get two different ones: a black dial, one's a blue dial, and they have kind of the the same colors, just reoriented. But they had this order window, and if you ordered one in there, you're gonna get one. But now they're gone. That's an interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting way to to do a drop. Because I, you know, honestly, with this one and the other one, I didn't know that they were two different things. I didn't at first either. I had to look a little, a little. I knew that I knew that they released two different, ver- or like basically two different types of the watches. One was the Data Master. One was the the. The uh, the Chrono Master, right? Or not? What the what do they call it? The um, C A S D. Chrono Master Aviator Sea Diver. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> like Chrono Master. That's that's the Zenith, right? Like, there's too many Chrono Masters yeah, there's there, a, apparently. Too many Masters. I was thinking about this earlier. Everything's a goddamn Master. Data Master, hey, Chrono know, Master, GMT Master, Space Master. Yeah. There's a lot of masters. Master bit. Oh, never mind. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, no, but you know, I didn't notice that this was a different thing, and I didn't know that that was the price point. And look at the price point now; it was like four hundred and fifty dollars US. And these bad boys are gone. Yeah, looks like it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because the other one was the yeah the Chrono Master Value seventy two that was sixty nine hundred. And then this one here with the black dial and the turquoise blue dial, those are both 450. I didn't know that they had like a window of production time to get them. I might have tried to got have I might have tried to get yeah, one. these are kind of neat. Like if you're into if you're into like the brew look, but not so much the case shapes and everything, like yeah. this is your watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's certainly a very cool, very cool looking watch. Yeah, and the really the, the big differences are between the Chrono Master and the Data Master is the Data Master has a dated six. It's a bi-compax. Yeah. They're both Chrono And, and the, obviously Mecha Quartz. Right. Mecha Quartz movement. The Chrono Master is a tri-compax. It's got a, a bezel on it. Yeah. And a value 72. Yes. Obviously, we've we've hammered home that it has and, a phenomenal movement. But <laughs> and, and you know what? All of them are out of stock. Every single reference. So, Somebody uh, bought those $7,000 Nevadas. You know... There are hardcore collectors out there for everything, and I mean, uh, again, I, I'm you know, dying to meet them. Whoever they are, like, if any, that's, if you, a, any that's them, a movement. If any of you bought one of those, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, 38 millimeters. Oof. And the that other is, one is that 36. is literally like your specked out watch, man. The V the VK64 is 36. Oof. 36 by 12. That is a Dang. nice size for a chronograph, like a little neat little mecha quartz. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've never owned a Mecha Quartz movement. I just feel like sometimes the running seconds would, would, would really bother me. It's cool, man. Like, I, I, I still have that Yema that I, I picked up, the Panda Yema, and it's 
it's, it's a bk64 too right i believe yeah it's it's nice because you get you get you do get that sweeping chrono seconds which is nice yeah and on that one they don't have a running second so it doesn't bother you as much as seeing the the tiny second hand tick 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 you know yeah yeah, yeah. so I feel and you. last but not least here another hodinki collab hodinki and nomos dropped the club date 38 in four different colors 75 each in production yellow blue green and sort of a terracotta at 22.50, another reasonably affordable Hodinkee collab. So that's two in a row. I mean, maybe they're just kind of reading the room and the uh, the economic times and saying, you know, if we're going to put out some stuff, people got to be able to afford it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But these are cool. They, you know, it's a uh, it's a lot like the watch that Nomos gave to me. Yep. The uh, deep pink 38. Yep, but yep, this yep. one has a. Uh, a date and, a and it says stuff. and it says New York on it. Yeah, that is cool. It said it, it has New York under Glashuta. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. And uh you get these cool colorways here. Now, I believe uh it is appropriate that Nomos did indeed go bro before ho here. Mm. So that's cool also. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but cool little watches. I really like the green, it's almost like a pistachio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just looking at that one. All the colors are pretty neat. You know, and, and I'll be honest with you, at first glance, I wrote these off because the live shot product photos, they were taken in a... It looks like it was taken in Central Park. Yeah. When I first saw them, I noticed that there was a lot of reflectivity on the dial, and I assumed that those dials were Mother of Pearl. Oh, interesting. Because of the reflections, you know what's funny? I thought the sub dial was mother was a uh, something mother of pearl meteorite something because yeah. you're right, it is very reflective. But now that I'm looking at it, I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh, these are just colorful dials with a silvered out small seconds sub dial. Which now I'm kind of like, oh, I like that a lot better than what I thought I had initially seen because the colors really work and they work well. Yeah, man, kinda... I feel kind of silly that they were Mother of Pearl. At first <laughs> I immediately, I, I saw this and I immediately wrote it off because I'm like, I, what is this? Like, why would I buy a Mother of Pearl dial? That's just me. You know what I mean? But they're very cool otherwise. And I think what's also interesting, I mean, maybe this is just the way the photo is, but the uh, the green dial looks like it comes on a textile strap, and the other ones are coming on leather, suede, or a new book. Yeah. Another interesting little tidbit is uh, I don't know if you saw the whole sort of photo gallery they had there. The couple in the photo was one of the the female is somebody that I shared the stage with at the wind up panel. I I I knew she looked familiar. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a nice release. Um. Other than that, I really know what to say about it. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's cool. I think this this watch is 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 different enough to what Nomos currently has in their offering that it would be enticing. I mean, if, as far as I can tell, all of them are already sold out, especially given at the price point. And there weren't it's, many, 75 yeah. each. 
Yeah, I mean, $2,250. Great price point, great size, especially with a date, which typically, uh, from what I understand, is really reserved for more of the larger-cased Nomos timepieces. You know, it's still manual wine, so very thin. And, you know, it's cool that it has a little novelties of, like, the date at 6 o'clock, which, which is color-matched to the overall dial. You have the small seconds with the alternate sub-dot coloring and the fact that New York is literally kind of ghosted out onto the dial as well. I think that's kind of cool. Those are little nod features that I think would make this watch more attractive to, to somebody getting it outside of just a normal Nomos offer. Yeah, totally agree. So main topic, with the year rounding out, I decided I thought it would be fun to sort of look at. We did we didn't do a predictions episode, but we did a a wish list of sorts mm-hmm. last December. Sort of some things we wanted to see, some things we thought might be trending, and so I went back through that episode. And I kind of wrote down the main talking points we had discussed, and so I thought it'd be fun to kind of come back and see if any of those either hit or were ran with or what have you. Yeah. So I'll run through those. Then I've got some some trends of 22, notable releases, and then just some some interesting themes and tidbits, sort of. <laughs> so I remember my first and usually my go-to is uh, a request for smaller watches. Now, I don't think this was an overwhelming theme. We did get some smaller stuff overall. Like I said, I just mentioned a 36-millimeter chronograph. When's the last time you heard of a 36-millimeter chronograph? Or a Panerai. Yeah, that's right. We've got <laughs> we've got, we got a lot more Panerais now that are coming in smaller sizes. So. Yeah, so you're seeing Panerais in 38 now. Mm-hmm. I Again, I don't think it's, it's a huge trend shift, but I think you're seeing, I guess, less than smaller watches. You're just seeing sort of that, kind of all-encompassing size range 37 to 39 is sort of becoming more of the norm yeah where 36 is still a bit of a reach nowadays but you're seeing that 39 38 is sort of becoming just that sweet spot for everyone and at that point more or less anybody can enjoy your watch and it, it opens up your uh your consumer base it sort of uh makes it easily accessible for any gender or you know, body makeup or however your wrist might be put together. I know mine's a little strangely bony. Other people have more round wrists. Um, it kind of just lends a, a nice wearing experience to everybody. One that you had brought up, and I know we saw a few early in the year, but I don't know much beyond that, was rectangular cases. I know we got an Oris. Yeah, we had gotten an Oris. Um, we got a couple of the... Uh, some some different uh, line extensions of the Cartier tanks, some other versions of the Cartier. I mean, I don't typically follow them too much because they do a lot of art pieces. Yeah, and they're basically hard to get. Or or as a buddy of mine who works for Cartier said, they're basically impossible to get. Wow. Um, they do a launch and it's like sold out in China, and then the rest of the world gets like five for the entire world. Interesting. And so it's basically impossible to get these watches. But other than that. There's a lot of cool rectangular pieces that are coming out. And I think that's becoming more of a style trend that we're seeing kind of people returning to, which I like. I'm I'm here for it. I think it would be very cool to to have 
some more rectangular pieces in the mix. Yeah, and especially with the return of, I I think we're seeing a lot of early and mid nineteen hundreds TV shows out now. Yeah. So I think sort of that generation's fashion are coming back again. Like I was, yeah. I was go back to like Boardwalk Empire. You see a ton. Yeah. Of square and rectangular watches. Or, or like just, Peaky Blinders, right? Yeah, like that was I the mean, time. Yeah, just very similar. You know, but. There's just something very classy about a, a square rectangular case. I don't know. There's a, is, they're usually very small, very proportionate, very easy to look at because there, there's not much um, like deviations, just very straight lines, yeah. very clean. So I mean, I think as far as dress pieces, like if you're somebody who dresses up often, I think that's a that's a slam dunk case for you. Yeah. Uh, next one was mill spec. <sighs> you know, I I. I don't know. I can't really think of anything too crazy in the realm of mill spec. I mean, I know we got the Belova mill ships. I know we've had some Blanc ponds come out. I mean, field watches have been been hot. Yeah, that's that's not really a twenty twenty two thing. It's, yeah. it's been like a carryover for the last right. couple of years. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that was a trending thing necessarily, but. Um, you know, we did get the, I don't know if it was, was that in 22 or 21, the Tornak Rayville? I think that was last year, 21. But we, we're getting a few, uh, I don't know if you want to use the uh, the term we, we've sort of picked up as zombie brands or sort of revivals. You, you've seen a few of those pop up. I don't think mill spec ever goes out of style. I mean, I would still absolutely no. love the more mill spec, the older Seamasters that are just so, so good. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a hey man, look high dollar pipe dream. <laughs> hey, one 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 of these days, I, I I guarantee you somebody from Omega is listening. They they have to be. Just give us just give us a a, a reissue of the second generation Seamaster three hundred from the sixties, big triangle military. That's version. the one. Or if you don't want to go that far back, then give us a reissue of the two two five four fifty. The Peter Blake Seamaster. Yeah, that's been a long time That's a time clutch coming. one. I mean, it, it's got to. You know, just make it its own thing in the line. And that's, that's it. Just one reference. One reference. Make it ceramic. It'll be so dope. Two two five four fifty. And and even, you know, here, here's the thing. Why not just do a stripped down version of the Seamaster? You do a two two five four fifty relaunch. You do very simple dial. In-house movement, anti-magnetic, all the good stuff. You don't do ceramic. You do aluminum. You do all brush finish. You know, the stuff that people really have been jonesing for. And then you sell it at, I think, the new Seamaster's 5400 I think, on bracelet. You sell it for 5000 on bracelet. Why not? Well, that or because it's supposed to be mill spec, you just don't even offer a bracelet, and you just cut the price even more because it's kind of a, a bare-bones offering. You know? Right? I mean, the Omega Natives are amazing, right? The rubbers are good, so why not? I mean, I'm here for it. I think a lot of people would be here. Yeah, I think it. everybody and their brother has been sort of <laughs> calling bring for the back Peter, Peter Blake, Blake right? to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like uh, that was like when Jordan retired, and they were like, "All right, this isn't for real, right? Like he's coming back." Right? <laughs> Might he be on the back. Wizards, but is he's coming a, back. Is that a baseball player for a little bit, and then he came came back? He got sucked out of golf hole. <laughs> yeah. Had to beat the Monstars, but he's back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the Monstars. 
<laughs> uh, such a good film. You know what I was surprised? I was listening to, to a pod where they were talking about Rotten Tomato scores, and it doesn't that Space Jam does not have a high score. Yeah, because Rotten Tomato scores are completely inflated. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm talking about uh, the critic score. I understand because they're just usually stuffy people. The audience score. Oh, this was not is an audience high. score. Yeah, I was you like, I thought what? everybody loves Space Jam. It, it, I'm sure that that's the case. They do. I just, you know, for me, when was the last time you you positively reviewed a uh, a thing on Rotten Tomatoes? I mean, I don't even use the site, but I exactly. it was brought to my attention. I was like, what? Exactly. And I think, and I, it's funny that you mentioned this because I was, uh, I, you know, there's some people that I follow that are podcasters and stuff. They've talked about this phenomenon as well. And I think one of the things with Rotten Tomatoes is you have to be a Rotten Tomatoes, like, verified reviewer. Oh, God. In order to score it on the audience score. So it's like, how many, what's the pool of people that are actually that, you know, that's uh, going okay. through and reviewing that all makes of a little these more films, sense. you know? So it's, it's super, it's super. I was going to say know. it, Bill Murray, Newman, Michael Jordan, Looney Tunes cast. You had a bunch of professional, you know, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, yep. all Michael these great Jordan. players. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Michael Jordan. Yeah, of course. And then, uh. Soundtrack was great. The animation oh, the was great. Was like, there's nothing, nothing like about that movie. I heard the new one was trash. I didn't even see it, but yeah, I didn't. I, I, yeah. It, let me just say this: the new one to me just is so unappealing that it's free on the airlines, and I still refuse to watch it. Wow. <laughs> I just won't do it. I'll watch other movies seven times over than than trying to give LeBron a shot to 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 be the new Space Jam. You'll never be Michael Jordan, especially not in Space Jam. It was Sorry. funny. I saw it. there was a meme that had just based off of the actual cinematography, like the, their stats. And it was like Jordan, 20 of 21, like 50 points and a game winner. And it was like LeBron, four, like four of 10, <laughs> like eight points. <laughs> it was really, really funny. I gotta find it. I gotta. I gotta find that and post that with the show notes. That'll be really hilarious. But that's that's awesome. But that's really, awesome. really, hey, look, whatever they did to Lola Bunny, you know. Oh, that poor. Just poor Lola. I just wrote it off immediately when it, I found that out. I was like, all right, this. They is, took her cake. You, you guys are clowns, man. <laughs> you guys are clowns. That was every young kid's crush. Okay, Lola Bunny. All right, Let, let's not remove. Or that. bugs. <laughs> Uh, another another good one that I think we have seen a bit of is text reduction on dials, and I think with the drop of the Pelagos thirty nine, we saw a little bit less. It wasn't quite J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. It wasn't a novel, a Hobbit type it was of, more novel. of a novella. This it wasn't time. right. It wasn't it by Stephen King. <laughs> but more they definitely no, took it down a little bit. Time. Yeah, yeah. But I I think that's uh. People have at least taken note of that, that clutter and that too much, too many words, as fun as it is to put things like chronometer officially certified and depth ratings and your brand name, model name, um, you know, the name of your firstborn child, whatever, you know, just throw it on there. I, as much fun as that is, I think people have come to realize that there is too much at some yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think the 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 best execution of this in in recent time for me is the new version of the Seamaster 300, where it literally says Omega, and then Seamaster 300, and, and that's else. it. That's it. That's literally it. 
So for all you dial text Nazis out there, like that's a watch to go take a look at because it's got literally the least amount of text I've ever seen. And you on can a think, modern steel sports diver. You could put so <laughs> many things on that dial, given absolutely you know all their master chronometer, anti mag, you know? right? You could put a whole novel on there, and they just didn't. And they're like, it's on the case back. That's maybe. a good move, I mean, especially with you know, the wave with the wave dial. You don't want to ruin that. Like you, you put all that sexy etching in there. You know, you don't want to be covering that up with text. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is actually a different version. This is the uh, the heritage version. Oh, the three hundred. Sorry, I think yeah, so it's, it's just literally just C- Omega and then Seamaster three hundred at the bottom. Nothing else. No professional. No certified master chronometer. Nothing. Even though it is. It's just literally those two words, which to me is like so nice to see on a watch dial because you compare it to a sub and it's like, you know, you know where I stand about that. Just too much, too much, too much, too much. If you want to put it, put it on the case back. But I know you never will because you want your case backs completely devoid of anything. Yeah, for the engraving of the the people who used to get achievements can't have- can't find them now <laughs> no and they and they they even did away with their uh i think we talked about this before on the podcast that we they did away with their um their celebratory uh aspect of their business yeah like their anniversary yeah, stuff before that's long ago yeah i mean they, they canceled it so good luck trying to get an anniversary rolex for your 25 years of service sir low siento uh speaking of omega you didn't get your fancy fancy GMT you're looking for. I know. Any hope of that? Any hope? I'm, of that I'm always I'm always holding out hope for that. I'm always holding out hope for that. I, I mean, GMT's been hot lately, right? They gotta they gotta have their. I, I wouldn't water, be surprised. Right? I wouldn't be surprised if something next year comes or the year after that because, like you said, the GMT has been hot. Omega's a big brand. They they certainly do flow with with market trends because they know it's going to be profitable for business. Um, obviously they're going to do some outlier stuff, but you know, for the most part, they're going to play it safe with regards to some things. And I think uh, a GMT is a logical, uh, next step, especially if they really are vying for a position to take more market share from Rolex. I think a GMT in a sports watch is certainly necessary. Um, now they don't need to do a GMT master pilot GMT. And like we, like I indicated on that episode, I want a true divers GMT. Give me a rotating bezel, rotates one direction. I don't need a 24-hour scale on the bezel. Give it to me internally. Give me a, a true GMT with a with a jump hour hand, and let's call it a day. I don't need to track three time zones. Let me track two. Now, okay? they, did, they did give you the ability to track time on a different planet, however. So I don't know if that satiates you <laughs> a little bit. I mean, that's also, that's also very cool. The Mars timer is so cool. I mean, if I had the option to get one, you you bet your, your bottom, I certainly would. It's a very cool watch. Uh, one thing I asked for was precious metals. Uh, I don't think I noticed too much extra in the precious metals mm-hmm. game. I think it's pretty much standard, except, of course, the 5811, right? <laughs> Oh, the fifty-eight eleven. It doesn't even have a nice ring to it, like the fifty-seven eleven did. It doesn't. You're right about that. It's very blunt. It's like it's like fifty-seven eleven is like the 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 nice symphony, and it's like fifty-eight eleven. It's like it's like nails, nails on, on a chalkboard. chalkboard. That, like... 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's that that whole situation was kind of fun, but uh, I mean, I mean, come on, like you're gonna tease us with officially killing off the fifty-seven eleven, right? We're gonna do the final fifty-seven eleven. If you didn't get one, you didn't get one. And then we're like, all right, guys, we're we're doing it for real, for real. So we're gonna release this hunter green version, and then we're gonna also release the same hunter green version with a diamond set bezel. And then we're like, all right, this is it. It's officially dead. Two months later, it's like the Tiffany version comes out, and everyone but loses wait, their mind. LeBron's more. wearing it, and it's just like, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden, that goes away. It's like, okay, now we're officially done, done. And then all of a sudden, boom. The 5811, I'm like, okay, so now it's a 5711 that's in solid white gold that actually hacks the movement and it's larger in size. Cool. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Uh, but in relation to precious metals, I didn't see too. I mean, you got some cool stuff from Omega, I, right? You had some cool, neat gold releases and things like that as they do. They always have some neat shades. And different uh, alloys and things like that, but yeah. So I, I, but I, I think, I think with market trends though, you're going to start seeing a lot less two tone, a lot less gold, as things start shifting out and markets start stabilizing a little bit more, um, with re- with regards to people's willingness to spend on high dollar ticket items. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So, I think brands are kind of start slowing down their 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 gold evolution and production. Just because inherently, like it's not something that you can keep consistently pumping out forever. Yeah, now here's one that was very on brand for 2022, and that is competition between brands. I mean, <laughs> how many sort of one-ups did we see, right? We saw Too many. The, the Richard Meal break the record for the thinnest watch. <laughs> after after what was it? Uh was it uh Bulgari and uh and Piaget, Piaget kind of battling it out for a long time? Yep. It's like the dark horse RM just swoops in. It's like, all right, guys. This is our this is our field now. Dick Millie, baby. The win. <laughs> so we saw that. We saw the Omega Ultra Deep. We saw the Deep Sea Challenge watch. Yep. I did see a fair amount of sort of trying to push that envelope. And I feel like even in the smaller, the I don't want to say lesser brands, the, the smaller price point brands, you did see people trying to put out just some more heavy duty stuff, you know, some some deeper divers, some you know, yeah. little uh, value propositions, I guess you'd say in that in that realm, where you're getting a little bit extra for your money, and I, I always appreciate that. I, I don't know about anybody else, but it's nice to see the brands take notice and saying, you know, game on. We're gonna put our heads together. We're gonna come up with something new, and that's gonna you know take the crown for somebody else. Yeah, no, I think it's only good. Healthy competition is always good. It sparks creativity. It sparks. You know, uh, new manufacturing, all of these things are good for the industry. The industry needs it. It's absolutely important because if not, everybody just stagnates. Everyone starts rebranding dials with hands, and basically everyone has the same ETA movement from the inside. It's like what we saw over the last 20, 25 years. That's what happened. Everyone was doing the same exact stuff just rebranding it and 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 calling it their own when it wasn't actually their own this this market change has has you know with regards to competition is is good and it's healthy and it's necessary to keep producing new things things that are exciting 
things that are cool, things that, you know, we couldn't have ever conceived from brands that delivered them, right? We talked about uh, uh, the you know, some chime stuff. You know, Christopher Ward, man, like, I would have never thought they would have done a chime watch, and they did. And I think that that's awesome for them. Like, this is good stuff. Yeah, very much so. And lastly was just more easy easy strap changes and uh, adjustable clasps. Uh, hit and miss. I mean, I think it's still kind of a micro-brand perk that you're getting from a lot of people. Yeah. A uh, few bigger brands do it, but I don't think it's necessarily high on their priority lists, even though it's sort of high on the watch people's lists <laughs> yeah no yeah i'm i'm thinking to myself that i think a lot of the bigger brands are hesitant about doing it because of what happens when it fails so perfect example of this um my baltic aqua uh, aquascaf um it has a quick change bracelet and on the bracelet basically the way that it's designed is it has one long spring bar and there's two little heads on either side that you can literally right, compress the fingernails yeah. and it comes off, right? Well, what I didn't know is those little heads screw into the spring bar. Oh. So if you don't notice, <laughs> like I did on mine, um, one of those heads came off. And so now I had a spring bar that I couldn't basically operate the way that it was designed to. So I would have to use my nail and spring bar tool to remove the bracelet every single time. And eventually it just failed completely. So then I had to, you know, message Baltic and they were quick and, you know, they were nice enough and quick enough to send me some replacement spring bars. And they're like, if you're okay with this, this is fine. This is a solution that we can get you right now, or we can sell you a new bracelet. I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy a new bracelet. No. So just send me the spring bars and let's see if I can fix it. Well, you know, as handy as I am with tools, I cannot get it to get installed because what I'm going to have to do is hold the spring bar inside the bracelet while screwing in simultaneously a small little head into the other side of the bracelet to fix the, the spring bar pin. It's not a very easy thing to do. So I think from a lot of brands, the hesitation is what happens when you get to that point, when something like that failed, because you're making something much more complex than it needs to be. Do you replace the whole bracelet? You, can you can you replace only the parts that wear out or break? What happens if the spring bar head shears off after years of wear? Like, what do you do? If all of that is designed internally, what's what's the, you know, what do you do after that? Right. And I don't think a lot of people have come to that realization because, you know, let's use a, a, a Rolex bracelet, right? Like, you know, last time I checked those bracelets back when I was, you know, working in a store, they were like $1,500 for like a Submariner, you know, glide lock class bracelet, right? 904L steel glide lock sub bracelet, $1,500. And that was a long time ago. Yeah. They're probably more now. Could you imagine if it had quick change pins and everything like that, that, that broke, do you replace the whole Rolex bracelet? Knowing the crown, they probably would make you. <laughs> So, I mean, I think it's something that a lot of people want from the micro space because they can deliver it. But the problem is, what is the long-term ownership aspect of having something like that? And I don't think a lot of people have come to that conclusion yet. It's quick and easy for the for the interim. But when stuff fails, it fails. 
Like, but then what do you do? Yeah, I was a, a teenager learning to drive during the Fast and Furious craze. And, uh, you know, I had a Honda Civic for my first car. So my dad was in the car industry at one point. And so I said, you know, dad, I got to mod this thing out, right? That's what you do. He goes, listen, more you put in the car, more that breaks, more that can go wrong. Yep. And more money you'll have to spend. And I was like, all right, fair enough. I'm a broke teenager. Well, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's true, though. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I look at this, I look at this strap, you know, that I have, it's got quick change pins, you know, granted, if it breaks, I can just slide the pin out and replace it with a standard pin that works. But, you know, you, you lose the whole appeal of the quick change strap, right? right? So, you know, these are things to think about for the future. And I know this isn't really a, a podcast episode dedicated to, to quick change braces, but, you know, it's something that I feel needs to be said because I've heard about it so many times from so many different places that people are like, oh, you know, these branches don't want to do it. I'm like, I don't think it's that. It's they don't want to produce a sub, a subpar product because ultimately their reputation is on the line for yeah, them. Yeah, they have to deliver. You know, it, it, if, if, if Baltic messes up, well, me having a complaint really isn't going to change the, the world of Baltic. But if, you know, Omega produces 100,000 bracelets and they all fail, <laughs> like that's yeah. an issue. You know what I mean? So after that, I decided to sh to try and think of sort of the trends that were prevalent in 22. One of them, I definitely saw a resurgence in titanium. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, I love titanium. It's a beautiful, lightweight case material. It's durable. It's It, it has its ups and downs compared to steel. I like it a lot. Yeah. Ultra Deep came in titanium. Deep so Sea Challenge came into titanium. RLX, hey, it's RLX titanium. Get That's it right. right. But that but that was a big deal for Rolex, right? Absolutely. Pelagos 39 came in titanium. Even hell, the Citizen Challenge Diver came in titanium. Right? Yep. Big year for titanium. I mean, obviously, there's different grades. And you saw um, I think even the ores we talked about, the black one with the orange dial was titanium that they for the the, the the bezel was titanium and they PVD'd it, I think. That's right. It was a it was a PVD uh uh, uh like almost like an engine turned bezel. Right. So we're seeing some neat stuff, even texturally with titanium. I mean, yeah, it's I know it's not necessarily as malleable and everything as stainless steel or some of the other materials, but you know, I I think it's it's definitely got its place in watches. I really, really enjoy the way that it feels when I wear a titanium watch. No, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. You know, my Ploprof that I got about a month ago or so now is my first real titanium watch, especially from a luxury manufacturer. I have not taken this watch off. I sleep in it. I shower in it. I do everything around the house with it, change diapers, do whatever I need to do. I'm wearing this watch, and I have not taken it off at all. It is a dream to wear, especially given the specs. At 55 millimeters, I don't even feel it. I had a buddy who was interested in kind of trying it on. Now, he's a smaller statured guy. He bought us, you know, we've talked about him before, but he bought his first nice watch earlier this year. He bought a Black Bay 58 Blue. And he asked me to take it off so he could compare the weight side by side. It weighed about the same feeling-wise to his 58. And this is a considerably larger watch. Not to mention with titanium, one things, uh, some of the things that a lot of people don't understand too is when you wear titanium, 
uh, on days where it's extremely hot or extremely cold in your environment, your watch does not absorb that same type of heat or cold. Right. If you wear a stainless steel watch you're in correct. frigid Chicago, you're going to feel how cold it is on your wrist. Titanium doesn't really do that. Ceramic doesn't really do that. The same thing if it's ultra hot. It's not going to absorb the heat in the same way that a stainless steel timepiece would. So it's much more comfortable. You're going to get less of that sticky, sweaty, you know, swelling wrist feeling uh, with something like a titanium watch. And I'm here for it. I just think the biggest uh, detraction for many people is the price point. It's expensive to it's produce an a watch material. in titanium. Yep. Especially at a high grade. If you want any type of polishing or decoration on your watch, it's at minimum grade five titanium. It's the only way to get a to get a to get a high polish finish. If it's just all industrial gunmetal, it's usually about a grade two. But grade five has more different types of alloys inside of it, which means it can achieve a higher shine and polishing. But it's much more labor intensive to do it. So there's right. always they got a all those, trade-off. They got all those grandmas in the Grand Seiko factory be polishing that thing by hand. Jeez, that's that's <laughs> a lot, man. Titanium is a hard material to work with. But it's a it's a dream to wear, truly. It is. Uh, I think we've touched on recently. Black cases have had a moment. I think yep. that's been there I think, the yeah. whole way. Yeah, I would agree. It's good, man. I like black. I like black cases. I mean, it's it's not only is it stealthy, and not only does it give you kind of a masculine watch. It's just, you know, it's not so blingy for the people who yeah. aren't into blingy. It's a cool option. You know, I would. You know, it would be really funny. I know this would be so out of character for them, but it'd be kind of interesting to see it like a Nomos club in like a murdered out black steel case. Like black with just white for everything else. I, like I don't know. I mean like And just like a like a hot pink second hand like they do. I was, like I was gonna say, like do <laughs> do like a, a or the a, orange. A a completely blacked out, I don't know if it's PVD or whatever dial or treatment you want to do for the case. To do a blacked out Nomos with maybe a blacked out dial and then just a pop of color for either Nomos or, or just a second hand. I think that would be amazing. And be so different for them. Very awesome. So cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, you'd have to come up with like the what's the word? Maybe like knocked, right? Isn't that night? Yeah. Right. Or noir. Be, there we go. Look at this. Some marketing you do, already. You could do the Nomos Club 38 <laughs> Noir Pink. <laughs> I think that would be sick. Yeah, I'm with it. I would, I would, I would definitely check that out. That would be neat. I mean, I, like, and actually, I said, I said 38. I meant 36. Like that's that's the size I really want. Give me a, give me a, a, a Nomos Club Campus 36, Noir Pink. Very cool. Nomos, get on that. I know some of you <laughs> listen. Get on it. I think it'd be cool. That's just my brothers right there. That's my wish list for 2023. <laughs> I know we saw, uh, in addition to black, we saw purple became a very big color yes, this year. Yes, I know it, it, and I'm and I'm sure it's going to carry into next year as well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. We saw a purple Nomos. We saw hell. We saw a purple Chapek. We saw a purple Tag Heuer. It's been everywhere. I I think everybody's sort of warmed up to the idea of maybe wearing a purple watch. It's it's not such a you know a a a gender oriented thing anymore. People are just down to wear whatever looks cool. So purple, I think is here to stay. Um, We talked about sort of breaking records as a theme. That was between, like I said, the Richard meal or the uh, 
you know, the deep sea watches. I think that was a big thing this year. And as we touched on before, pink was a big deal. Yes, it was. I like to think I had a small hand in that. But hey, hey look, I, I look, I and I and I and I've shared this with you so many times throughout this year. I'm like, I know for you that you didn't want to really like I don't know, like internally admit it to yourself. Right, like you didn't want to come across like you were gloating or anything like that. But I was like, bro, I am noticing so many more pink dial watches than I have ever in my entire life as a collector. Oh, it was definitely a thing. It, for sure. It, it, it was one hundred percent a thing. They were just coming out of the woodwork like crazy. And you have to have had some type of impact on this, for sure, without question. I think it they, was more I, I think it was a bit of a free marketing experiment for people. Was that they were like, well, if people are into this, then we know it's got staying power. Absolutely. So why not do it? You know? And we saw this from big brands that were doing this. Yeah. Not only with the Pink Dial project that happened last year in 2021, that kind of really started mainstream brands doing Pink Dial watches, but they were doing one of ones. It wasn't like a production run. Yeah. But, you know. We got, a Zenith, did... we got a Zenith El Primero. Yeah. With a Pink Dial. I mean, I mean, look, look at what Oris did last year with the bronze, right? They did right. The, the cotton candies. That was a pink dial watch dedicated in the lineup already uh, a part of that before, you know, before you got a hold of it to auction off last year. And then this year you had kind of a continuation of some of the pink dial stuff. And then you had Zenith produce an entire line of watches, you know, sold exclu exclusively through boutique or e-commerce that were dedicated to, to breast cancer awareness and, and things like that. And it was a pink watch. I know Timex had one. Yeah. Timex had the same thing. There were several of the brands there was one more that were one. doing that were doing pink watches for 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 a cause. And I think that as much as maybe pink wasn't like a pantone color focus, you know, where they say it's like, oh, this is the color for it wasn't the year. Mojave. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, as much as it wasn't a decidedly pantone choice color pink was very much a, a a prominent color in so many different things whether it was straps whether it was dials whether it was accent colors i saw it so much more than i ever had before in, in the entire history that i've that I've been a collector and an enthusiast in this and i think you and and the cause that you've brought to light especially from the work that you've done which is you you don't have a marketing team you don't have uh, a, a social media team. You have nothing. It's you and I a like laptop to, and a I cell like phone. I like to uh, to describe it as jerk with an iPhone is my marketing strategy. You know, and it's been it's been amazing. So, pink very much a a, a big trend thing this year. Whether the brands thought it was a trend or not, it kind of happened to be yeah, that way. It was here, and uh, you know. Somebody like Seiko, you want to make a cool pink watch for me to give away next year? Be my guest. <laughs> pink Albinus, something like that. Hey, we're taking recommendations. Yeah. We're looking at you, Nevada. <laughs> right? We are looking at you, Nevada. Hey, you're getting on with everybody else. <laughs> Hit us up in the DMs. Let's do something. Let's collaborate. Uh, and then lastly, my... My ideas kind of shifted towards notable releases because there were a lot of interesting things that dropped this year. I mean, I think every year you have a pretty good amount of cool stuff, but this year specifically, it was a lot of the the big players 
I mean, you had a, a certainly a weird year from Rolex, right? You had a lefty GMT yeah. with green on it. Weird is, is putting it mildly. You my had friend. a 50 millimeter. <laughs> More like an absent-minded year. From you Rolex. had a 50 millimeter diver. Likewise, from Tudor, you had a Pelagos 39. You had a mm-hmm. Tudor Ranger come back. Yep. You had the Black Bay Pro. Yeah. Right. I mean, interesting year, to say the least. Yeah. From them, right? Then you have from Omega, first and foremost, the, the Moon Swatch, even though it's not purely Omega. The yeah. Moon Swatch, which was an entire Broke movement. Broke the internet. Broke a the movement internet. in itself, right? The Moon Swatch. Speaking of, there's a photo floating around of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I don't know if you know who that is. He plays for AC Milan. He's a he, soccer player, right? Yeah, he was at one point. He yeah. played for the LA Galaxy. He has a he has a Mars one, right? I think I saw. Yes, a photo he has of, the mission yeah. of Mars. This dude was like the biggest striker in the world at one point, and you know he refers to himself as a god. He's like a very like vivacious, you know, uh, yeah. bravado kind of guy. But he's it happens to also match his kit, like it's a black and red jersey, and yeah. he has a black and red moon swatch. There's a picture of him, like he's got big long flowing hair. He's a Swedish dude, and he's fixing his hair, and you can see it. Plain as day. Yeah, Mission yeah. of Mars Moon Swatch. It, I was it, like, it, what? I was like, this dude is worth so much money. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ed Sheeran was playing a concert with the with the Moon Swatch. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, it became a cultural phenomenon for sure. Yeah. So you had the Moon Swatch. You had the Chrono Chime. Oh, you I had, like I said, I all those so much. all those neat gold models um, that they came out with. The uh, what am I thinking of? The what was that other Speedmaster? The uh, the bi compacts. Oh, the fifty seven. Nope, 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 nope. The one that's got all the chrono chronoscope. Oh yeah, yeah, chronoscope. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was one I'm thinking of. So you have those, right? They gave you a bunch of interesting stuff. Um, I I'm, I keep thinking Doxa Army. I keep yep. thinking. Seiko GMT was a big one for me. I mean, I know it's it's, that, an, I mean, it's an affordable hit, but like it's a hit. No, it's a hit. I mean, how many brands have done GMTs just this year alone? Yeah. I mean, literally Seiko changed the complication market for the next five years. I see a new GMT being launched every single day. Like just Traska, like last week came out with a GMT yeah. too. I'm like, okay, guys, like this is this is the year of the GMT. Yeah, I I Every time I see, I finally saw a video of the AP Star Wheel, and I just, that's such a cool watch. As yeah, much as a, I dislike a... the Code 1159, the Star Wheel is really, really, really cool. But you know what's funny? I saw pictures of the original Star Wheel, and I, and I actually still prefer that one. That's cool, man. I saw a picture of that, too. That's a that's a With really, the translucent really cool discs? Yeah. I was like, that is sick. Okay, that is a cool freaking watch. It is. I, I really, really like that that's, watch. That's a grail piece for sure. Yeah, the uh, you know, and then there was there was some neat like novelty stuff, you know, people like Moser putting out cool stuff. The the Grand Seiko, uh, what was it the Kodo? I think it's called that insane uh, Turbion watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was a watch. Was it watches and wonders? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I can't remember, man. I get all, them these, all confused. All these years playing the game. Yeah, I just wait. They're just. I <laughs> but just, you know what? I got them on the calendar as meme fodder dates. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We're we're coming up. We only got a few short months away That's before right. we start entering the new watch season. That's right. Oh my god, scary but fun. It, it, yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's like we're just like hitting the point. We're like, all right, guys, we're gonna hang out the boots for for a little bit, and like, oh, we're right back into the new watch season. 
March yeah. is a very yeah. short period of time away. And then just a couple of like the underlying themes of the year. Obviously, the fifty seven eleven. It's almost like a movie. It's almost like the guy from uh, from Will Ferrell and Austin Powers when he plays Mustafa and he they keep trying to kill him and he keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. So we had that, and then obviously the 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 pre owned Rolex hubbub is is a bit of a big deal. I mean, it's yeah, for better or for worse, it's a big deal. No, I mean it's certainly, uh, yeah, it's certainly a big deal. Those we are two things that stick week, out so. in my mind when I think of like the big news of the year. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. I kind of, I just kind of tried to comb, comb the old brain over the course it's of been, a few it's hours. It's been an exciting year. It has. It was a pretty eventful I, year. It, it's and, and when you think about it in retrospect, there's been so many cool things that have happened. So many things that we thought would never happen. Right, like you mentioned, a few of them. Talk about Moonswatch. Like, what what major Swiss brand would collaborate with a smaller, less important Swiss brand to and create one of their more important watches in, in the a world, portable in version. history? Yeah, in, in a you know what I mean. Version. And and the, and to think that at one point in time that that could have been a Blanc pun is even more sobering. It's just right? kind of like like that's crazy. What a miss that might have been. Yeah, you know, but. You think about something like that. You think about Rolex doing a left-hand drive watch and just literally telling all their fanboys to say, hey, you know what? Shut up and give us your money because you know you're waiting in line to get one anyway. And then for them to one-up themselves by releasing a 50-millimeter commercially available dive watch at $26,000. Yeah, I almost think I almost think it was like a year for them to put out stuff that's like going to be future collectible Yeah, for like awkward reasons. Yeah, nobody's buying those two watches because they really enjoy them. They're buying them because they know that these are novelty, future collectible pieces. The RLX Titanium Deep Sea Challenge is quite literally unwearable. We've talked about this. There's not a single wrist shot that I have ever seen of a person wearing this watch that looks natural. Not to mention it has one of the largest chapter rings of any watch I've ever seen in the world. It's honking. It's a big watch. And I get it. You had to one-up Omega. I get it. But I think Omega still pulled one over on you in terms of comfort and wearability. Yeah, maybe they didn't drop the the 15,000-meter rated version because that was unwearable in its prototype form. But they split the difference and gave you something that you could actually wear. With the lug-to-lug distance, that's not insane. I can't say that about the RLX Titanium. But again, you know, all the guys that are that are taking allocations of these watches and buying them from the 80s, they're buying them as future investments because they know that this watch is probably not going to be produced for too long. It's a novelty. It's the first Rolex watch in full titanium. There's so many things that are unique about it. And same thing with the, L- with the LHD, GMT Master. A complete just slap in the face to me and the collectors. But this has been a year of that. It's been a year of weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, did you think Christopher Ward would make a chime watch? <laughs> did you think Omega would make a chime no, watch? Certainly not. Never. I would have never thought that. You certainly know, we also not. talked about this off air too. This was also a big year for gem set bezels. Yes, that was another one that I had written down. I mean, like everyone and their mother was doing gem set bezels. Ulysse Nardon, you know, we 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 had Omega doing it with the with the 60th anniversary. Apparently, there's Gemset Speedmasters. Did you see this? No. 
there's like a there was like a a, a private slew of um solid gold speedmasters that are featuring gem set bezels there's a rainbow version one um there is a like a blue sapphire red ruby all, all these different versions but they're gem sets and i think that they were not really designed to be like oh, this is a watch that we're releasing. It's more like a collector-to-collector collector type thing where they released it kind of in secret. So um, that happened, but uh, you know, apparently it was launched around the time that the Chrono Tribe came out, and I didn't even know about it. Interesting. Yeah, I saw some guy post it on social a few weeks ago and had to DM him like, what is this watch? He's like, oh, yeah, it's from this this time period. We uh, got to meet with Omega, and, and this is the first one in the U.S. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like, you know, a cool $150,000. No big deal. Yeah. Light work. Light work. Uh, so that's pretty much all I got. Um, I guess we'll probably do something 2023-ish coming up soon. Um, I thought just a recap would be good to get it in before the holidays hit, before we get that little lull. Because, you know, I, I know everybody, it's, it's a little hard for everybody to keep up with you know, the pods and everything. We'll, we'll still drop an episode, but I know you probably miss an episode here or there with traveling or spending time with family or yep. just yep. kind of recharging the batteries. I, you know, unplug for a little bit. So uh, if we don't hear from you, you know, we won't hold it against you. You know, if you want to catch up in the, in the new year, that's fine. But uh, we'll probably be dropping one of those two as, uh, as well. Um, but for now, uh, just a little postmortem before it ended uh, from your boys over at Rishi's radio. We'll catch you next week. Schmitty, adios. Take care, guys.